The Football Kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Right, you're very welcome along. I'm delighted to say we have Damien Delaney with us. Damien, good afternoon to you. Good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, lads. How are you? I'm very well. Also with us is Colin Buick, who only appears on the show when the other guest is from Cork as well. It's in his That's contract. Right. It's all Cork all the time. That's right. And Damien's right down the road from me. Again? Probably little does he know, actually. Right. Yeah, this is different now to David Myler. Damien wouldn't know me. Right. Because you're well, keep, I yeah, do know where he lives. Yeah, yeah it's a bit weird you know that. <laughs> do know where he lives, yeah. Not specifically, though. Uh, a, a proud day for you when there was what five Cork related players playing for the Republic of Ireland the last time amazing unbelievable the WhatsApp groups were absolutely popping off the Cork WhatsApp groups it was incredible it's quite the comeback mm. it's been a decade yeah. really without enough Cork in the team and we tend to be better when we have good Cork in the team and then here we are and it's very strong again yeah it's pretty good it's nice to see you know that uh, we're on the rise again and um, it's great to see all those faces in and around the squad but um, hopefully they keep continuing to improve does it feel like football is on the rise in Cork? Um, yeah, I suppose it does. You know, Cork City are, 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 are starting the long trek back, I suppose, after a disastrous couple of years, um, being relegated. And last year didn't go as great, but we're up near the top of the league, or top of the league, I think, with Galway at the moment. So um, hopefully Cork City get back in the Premier Division. Um, cause I think the league is all the better for having a team like Cork in it. When you were growing up, did it feel like Cork was a football town? Um, I suppose when I was growing up, it was, it was, it was Gaelic football was was massive, you know, around the nineties when 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 we um, when we won the double, I suppose that was kind of when um, when it all took over. And I think we won in Ireland in eighty seven as well, I think. So football, you know, especially that that West Cork crew, Larry Tompkins and and, and them lot were, were very very prominent, and the hurlers obviously were, were pretty good too. But look, I used to go and watch Cork City on a on a Sunday. I used to play the games at two o'clock in Turner's Cross when the shed was the old shed. So, look, they had a good side there as well in the 90s. Um, but Cox always been a good sporting town. It, it kind of feels like you can do whatever you want, whereas there's definitely pockets of Dublin that are football, pockets of Dublin that are GAA, pockets of Dublin that are rugby. Cork, I, I, I know this is an oversimplification, but certainly if you went to a rugby school, like David Myler did go to a rugby school, but he was actually a GAA and a soccer player, that it's, it's less... It's less uh, stratified, it's less codified. There's less rules, it seems, in sport in Cork that if you want to do whatever you want to do, you're generally allowed to do whatever you want to do. Yeah, I think so. Um, but I also think that Cork's a great town that if a team's doing well, they will come out and support it, regardless of what it is. Everybody jumps on the bandwagon. You know, if the footballers are on a good run or, or the hurlers had a good run there at the turn of the millennium, um, everyone was a hurling fan. And, and obviously, Cork City had a great run the last number of years previously under John Caulfield. And everyone kind of jumped on board with that. So if you're doing well, Cork people will definitely come out and support you of all different backgrounds. Ireland's small. We should be allowed, we should appreciate a good bandwagon. We should be getting behind every possible bandwagon because <laughs> we are too small. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. Yeah, nothing wrong with a good bandwagon. Let's talk about this weekend. Who's going to score first between City and Liverpool? That was the poll that we put up a little bit earlier on. Kevin De Bruyne is 22%. Riyad Mahrez is 12%. Mo Salah is 43%. There's a lot of... Um, what, what's that book? Is it The Secret? Where you, uh, you, you try and magic something into existence? Because Mo Salah hasn't scored in a while. And Luis Diaz is 23%. People correcting us saying that uh, Luis Diaz is actually going to be a sub. He's not going to start the game. Um, is Mo Salah not scoring at the moment an issue at all Damien is it anything to be concerned about because he's getting chances and they're squirting past the post or keepers like just getting a little the fleshy part of the tie on it what's going on Uh, listen he's he's still getting in there he still looks energetic I I would imagine there's probably maybe 
I say hangover is way too strong a word from the African nations. You know, that going away then to camp for six weeks, mentally, physically, emotionally takes it out of you. Um, he's not quite at his, his peak best. He's still getting into the, to, to the, the positions. I mean, he got a bit of criticism the other night and it wasn't his greatest night. Of course, it wasn't his greatest night because he didn't finish any of the chances, but he could have a hat full of goals there. He still looks relatively energetic, but he's just lacking that little bit of sharpness. But I'm pretty sure one moment, one goal, the whole thing would kick back into life again. Um, and, and, and the most important thing from a Liverpool point of view is if he's not scoring, other people have picked up the mantle, you know, which is incredibly good for Liverpool because if, if Mo Salah drops off, you know, all of a sudden they have a few draws because they probably should have drawn a few games recently, but some people came up with big goals. But they're continuing to um, to keep it moving and keep it rolling and that's why they're fighting up near the top of the league. So there's no prospect of Salah not starting or any of that kind of stuff because there was some people suggesting that maybe they'll just give him a little bit of rest, everybody else playing well at the moment and try and make sure that he's good for the run-in. But this is too big a game, isn't it? Absolutely. There's no way they rest him on a game like this. I mean, if they were playing Watford or, or, or something like that, you might feel of giving him a rest or giving him a weekend off and tell him to go and spend it with his family just to recharge his batteries and come back fresh on Monday. But game like tonight is, is, is why you have players like Mo Salah in your team What front three do you think uh, Klopp will pick Damien? I think Jota will play um, I, I really do he's in great form now, he didn't pick him the other night from the, from the start but I think that it'll be uh, Jota I think Firmino will play uh, and I think Salah I think that'll be his front three um, and then what an impact what a great time for Liverpool to have those impact subs to come off the bench before it was the likes of Origi and Shaqiri coming in when, when things weren't going good but no, you see the other night, um, you know, Firmino coming off the bench and, and um, you know, they're packed with, with, with world-class players in forward positions. Do you know this title race echoes exactly the same as 2018-19? 30 games played, one point separates the two sides, Man City ahead. I, would, I was saying bang on Man City two months ago. I don't know now. Well, what do you put the blip down to? I think they, I think they subconsciously took their the foot off the gas because I think it, it, it all came so easy I, I was having this debate with Feligan recently I was saying name Manchester City's three best players and outside of Kevin De Bruyne we were kind of struggling in terms of three best that they would definitely start attacking third wise okay attacking third because you know yeah. Riyad Mahrez you'd be like yeah but Mahrez is in and out Phil Foden's in and out it's such a systemic thing but I don't know what happened um, as a result but that Spurs game at the Etihad when Spurs won 3-2 out of nowhere that was really shocking like, I can't believe that result happened and maybe that spooked them a bit but there's no way that there should only be a point between the two sides because I think Man City have been the far better team this season Well they started better but they haven't been the better team over the last two months I know and here we are with one point separating the two sides I still think City will win it but I can't believe it's come to this fair play to Liverpool pains me to say it but they've been brilliant recently they've, they're, they actually have a better squad now that I think in 2020 when they won the Premier League but I would say Man City's systemic uh, pro over Liverpool will just about edge them over but it shouldn't be this tight You mean in the title race but not specifically this game we'll get to this game now in a minute Damien what do you put the blip from Man City down to is that just a natural thing that happens to all teams over a league and it was telescoped into a couple of weeks so it looks worse than it was I'm, I'm, I'm laughing at the word blip, lads, because it's the turn of the year. They've, they've drawn with Southampton, lost to Spurs and drawn with Crystal Palace in, a, I'd say, stretching back 15 games. I think you might get it. I mean, it's hardly a blip, you know. Liverpool had 
that's what we're referring to as a blip note, you know, is, is, is a loss and a defeat. I mean, it's hardly over the course of a league, you know, they've been flawless up to that point. There was always going to be a, a period where they dropped points, um, you know, a minimal amount of points. What was crucial is that Liverpool kept the pace up, that when City did drop the points, Liverpool were flawless and Liverpool have been pretty much flawless since the turn of the year. And they had to be. There was always going to be a point because City started the season so well. They were flawless for the first half of the season. Liverpool dropped off a little bit because they had what we would term a, a blip in inverted commas, which again was just maybe one defeat and, and, and a couple of draws. Um, I think you've got to take your hat off to the pair of them. You know, they've been incredibly consistent. Um, it's just Liverpool have kept their foot to the floor while Manchester City have just come off at 1%. So fair play to the two of them for keeping it alive it's going to be incredibly exciting end of the season and I think Sunday's game is just something we should all just sit back and enjoy I think this is exactly what a blip is because Manchester City and Liverpool have redefined what it means to Absolutely. be a brilliant Absolutely. Premier League side so what Damien's saying there is that's an outrageous thing to say that that would be a blip even five years ago that's how much they've changed since about 2018 yeah. the two of them and like they probably are the two best sides the Premier League has ever seen like Manchester United had an amazing ability to win uh, consistent leagues okay the invincible side of Arsenal 2004 were brilliant but they drew I think 12 or 13 games that season which if you were to say Man City or Liverpool were to draw 13 games in a season like, no, it's not a great winning. season yeah. they've totally redefined it well you wouldn't win the league with it that's the problem yeah. because these two teams are, are reaching 95 to 100 points yeah. that's the, the expectation yeah. it takes um, is there in your your mind a defined best front three or front five front six for Manchester City at the moment Damien um, it's, it's so difficult really I mean how I mean, he's done never so well to get get them this far in, in the form that they've been in without a recognised number nine I know they've got Gabriel Jesus but they're playing with a false nine and, and the rotation is brilliant um, I like the way he rests players as well I think Raheem Sterling had a period out of the team um, and, and that's a joy that he can have because ask a player to go it's like sprinting a marathon from the start of the season, like asking some player to, to, to come in and then play every week. And I think he's rotated the squad brilliantly. Everybody's had periods out of the team. And, and then we feel, feel like we're discussing, oh, is this the end of Raheem Sterling's Manchester City career? Um, but, you know, they have enough quality and enough uh, rest that they can keep up this pace at the end of the season. That's what, what's brilliant about these two teams. And that's probably the one thing that Liverpool lacked last year. They didn't have it. As I mentioned previously, it was Shakiri and Origi coming in when one of the lads kind of had a, a lull. Um, but now Liverpool are, are blessed with, with five, six options in, in, in the top part of the pitch. Um, defensively as well, the centre-back issue, they've, they've more than sorted that out, you know, with the likes of Canate and Matip and Gomez and Van Dijk, you know, they've got a plethora of options. You know, I think midfield is probably an area they'll look at in the summer. Um, you know, uh, they're probably light um, in, 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 in quality there. You know, Kate has come in and done reasonably well, but I think it's time Liverpool went and bought a real top-class midfield player. I really like um, um, uh, Thiago. I think he's brilliant. I know a lot of people... You know, question it. I think Fabinho is getting better and better, developing into one of the best number sixes in the world. I was watching him during the week in the Champions League game. I thought he was incredibly good. His reading and his interception and his his passing is 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 getting. Every time I watch him, I seem to be amazed. I shouldn't be because he's been brilliant for so long, but he just seems to be getting better and better. That combination seems to be getting better and better as well. They all seem to understand each other much more. Mm. Like it, well, for whatever reason, it took Thiago time to settle in. There was the COVID, there was injury, and yeah. there was the uh, no decide to discerned to a midfield partner last year because all the centre-backs were injured but right now it looks like that's yeah. one of the great midfield partnerships that we've seen in the Premier League 
Yeah, it's developing, definitely. I, won't, I wouldn't quite go that far just yet. But, you know, Fabinho defensively is, is so, so good for centre-backs to have someone of that stature and ability to read it. And Thiago's passing is so good. It's so progressive. You just watch his pass. It's always forward. He very rarely, you know, wastes a pass just rolling out to a full-back. He lends it to people to get it back to move the opposition around. But his progressive passing is, is, is incredibly good to watch. Um, and, and I suppose the area they probably looked in the summer where they can get better is, 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 is a world-class number eight. You know, I think Gini Wijnaldum in, in his prime, have they quite got that? Kate has done reasonably well. Henderson's slowing down a little bit now. Um, but look, that's probably the one weakness that you'd want to say weakness again. What an amazing term. That's probably the one area where you think they could strengthen. OK, what's going to happen? Liverpool to win the game. Manchester City to win the league right that would be quite the turnaround from City to survive the psychological trauma of this or maybe there is no psychological trauma there wouldn't trauma. be no, I don't think Pep would look at it like that I don't think he'd be that offended by losing to a Jurgen Klopp team that it would end his uh, mentality for the whole season but I oh, do think the players have to come back from it too yeah, I suppose you can change the team if yeah, seven games after that, 21 drop, points you drop whoever's responsible <laughs> for losing yeah oh, but the, the, flip, the flip side of that is if Liverpool beat them I, I find it hard to see them not taking the, the confidence and the, 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 the momentum into the end of the season. I mean, they will just gallivant into the last number of games. It'd be hard to slow them down if they beat City on um, if they beat City on Sunday. I think it'll probably end up being a draw, but like a right good ding dong battle. Mm. And I hope it's a draw, keeps it alive for us and keeps everything really, really tightly packed. You can see it being a two all, can't you? It was two yeah, all the first like time. That. Yeah. Reverse just the last point on this uh, th- uh, there's not a world that I can envisage anything happening like uh, Raheem Sterling leaving Liverpool to join Man City at the moment or over the next couple of seasons Liverpool have transformed to the point where they would not consider selling their best young player to Manchester City it, it's funny how they've reached the point where they are the other super club in England and I guess this comes down to the, the, the conversation about Ten Hag how much of that is down to the fact that the club is really well run and how much of it is down to the fact that they got Jurgen Klopp and Jurgen Klopp happens to be an absolute genius? Yeah, um, I, I, you know, they're, they're definitely their rivals now. Um, the two of them are, 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 as you said, the two superpowers in the, in the English game right now. Um, and Liverpool financially seem to be in a, a, a pretty good position. Um, Jurgen Klopp's recruitment has been excellent. They haven't overbought or overpaid, sorry, overpriced English players. You look at Luis, Luis Diaz and, and Jota coming in. You know, obviously players we knew, but not the superstar um, home run that we all thought that, that they were buying for 80, 90, 100 million quid. Um, they came in under the radar, but, you know, the recruitment is excellent. They know exactly the type of player they want, the type of numbers physically they can put up, the type of runs they make. And that's why they slot into the system, because it's round pegs for round holes. And that's why Liverpool's recruitment is so good. And, and Jurgen Klopp has such a clear identity of the type of player that he likes for every position. They just scour Europe for those types of players. It's the clash of the table toppers in the Premier League this weekend. Oh, Salah with one of the goals of the season. OTB Sports Radio, the only place to hear live and exclusive radio commentary of Manchester City versus Liverpool on Sunday. I'm just waiting for those two glorious days in the very near future of football. Number one, when Jurgen Klopp leaves, and number two, when Pep Guardiola leaves. <laughs> As a Manchester United Because then it yes, might become competitive remind everybody again. here that, yeah. Uh, so, look, the Man United game is uh, half past 12 on BT Sport. They're at Goodison Park. Fortress Goodison is what everybody's hoping, who's an Everton fan, that somehow the shouting crowd can turn the team into a, a, a team capable of winning games. Sean Dyche, at half time, 
tells his team even though they're 2-1 down at home this crowd can't win this game they don't know how to do it I haven't seen anything like that before Damien I haven't seen a manager come in and go no you're going to win this game because they're no good anymore it was wild from yeah. Dyche it was a yeah I think it was, I think it was a, he didn't mean it in, in, in the context in the context you know and it came out the way it did but I think he was just saying to, to his team you know we're still in this this, this lot don't know how to win games it sounded quite crass and it came across very um I don't know, gloating almost, but he's right. Everton can't see games out. You know, they squander leads and they're very, very soft and they don't seem incredibly organised. Um, you don't often get that level of honesty from a manager. Um, but, I, I, you know, it would be the most Manchester United thing this season if Everton went and beat them at Goodison Park. It just, you know, you wouldn't be surprised. You know, Manchester United should win this game. It's it's as, as, as close to a slam dunk as you're going to get in the Premier League, but, um, you know, on paper, but, I just wouldn't be surprised if it was a draw or Manchester United somehow managed to shoot themselves in the foot what have you made of the job that Lampard has done so far um, yeah not great um, I, I, I think he kind of went in there with his, his own kind of ideas and how he sees the game and how he wants to play it and I don't think he respected the situation they were in enough um, maybe he could have parked his own ideas and beliefs and just get to the summer and stay in the league. And by that, I mean just going 4-5-1, getting draws, you know, because players get confidence from draws. Players get confidence from from, from good performances when they, they get wins. Um, but he just went in there and he just seemed to say, no, I'm Frank Lampard. I'm playing football this way. I'm going to open the pitch up, you know, tell the lads how good they are. But when results start getting away from you and you've had some bad losses late in games, it's very, very hard to rally the troops. Um, and I just think that a more experienced manager would probably just come off come off the gas a little bit and said look the most important thing is us staying up and I don't care how we do it and I don't care what the aesthetics are of it we're just going to stay up and in the summer you know he can work away in the background um, trying to line up his squad uh, who he wants in who he wants out um, even if he's kind of half lying to players telling them how much he loves them but behind the scenes he's saying look these guys got to go because I can't implement what I want to implement with these players um, and I just think that he just went in there and a little bit I suppose naive um, uh, would be the word I'd say I'd use um, but that's what experience does. Uh, so inexperience does. Is there any possibility he gets sacked uh, if they lose this game? It, it gets squeaky bum time even beyond it, but not not desperate. But his run of form will have been sacking material at any other time of the year. It'll be, I think, eight, nearly eight defeats at that stage. It's like... Mm. So, someone will be doing the maths on that right now, like how much will it cost to sack him um, versus, you know, it, it, the probability of us getting relegated. I mean, they're out of it right now. The other teams will all them. I mean, Burnley are probably capable of going on a, a little run, um, but you got to weigh up. He's putting Duncan Ferguson in charge till the end of the season. Will he rally the troops and, and dig out a couple of wins that'll get him over the line? Um, but you need to see some upturn in, 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 in results because you can't just keep plodding along because it's almost just like, you know, it's happening in slow motion and you're going to get relegated. At some point, the math will have to be done and what it'll cost to get rid of him versus what relegation will actually cost. Um, and realise that it is an option. So I do think it is a, a distinct possibility, yes, um, that while there's hope of everything staying up, if, 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 if results don't turn, I think he could be in trouble, yeah. I can hear the big Sam siren in the distance. <laughs> it's getting louder <laughs> each passing game. Yeah, it, it would definitely be one of those. Look, n- none of us really wants to do this, but there's, there's a couple of million on the table for you. And when it's over, you take the money and never darken our door again. And we won't mention this. <laughs> Football consultant, Big Sam. Yeah. He's carved a niche for himself. He's a firefighter. Yeah, I, like I'm all for lads getting chances because you have to start somewhere. But it did seem odd to me at the time when Frank Lampard got appointed. 
based on his record as well and where Everton were at that stage of the season I mean look it's very easy to go two footed in on Lampard like everybody is and he doesn't help himself with his media dealings I think that's the big thing and there's no clear pattern to play but you know he also took over the team that were really struggling under Rafa Benitez so there's obviously something inherently wrong with the club having said that I wouldn't have put Lampard in there to fix it I don't know what the logic was at the time the logic was that they were pissed off with Rafa and they were pissed off with the abuse they were getting from the fans and they needed to do something and the fans didn't want the other guy they wanted Lampard and the fans got what they wanted and it turns out fans running a football club isn't the best thing sometimes yeah. I'm just going or back picking to- the manager I mean they can you know they can anyway look that game against Manchester United what's going to happen I would say uh, I think United are just about better than Everton at the moment but it's not saying much so like Damien was saying like a very narrow a very narrow win like I have a bad memory of this game Everton-Manchester United I went 20, February 2010 my sister got married I went to see it half an hour before the ceremony and Everton won 3-1 <laughs> and it was like the Nadir and Solskjaer too they lost 4-0 so United at Goodison's not a great hopefully the marriage lasted great history. marriage is still going strong great yeah. um, that's the important thing on the day then really all that matters <laughs> United to win narrowly but nothing to shout about uh, Ten Hag the fact that he's been announced but then still haggling uh, Eric Ten Hagel as uh, Phil said headline of the day um, does that give the players something at least to aim for and they know that there's a manager who's watching like is there any potential new manager boost even though he's not in the in the building or or is that completely irrelevant to what's happening at the moment um, yeah I don't think that's going to matter a whole point of difference to, to this United squad if he gets announced or not you might get you know players um, a little bit of a boost but I think he's still going to stay in the Ajax job so he's not going to be at games he's not going to be meeting the players or anything like that so um, I, I can't imagine having a huge um, a huge boost but um, Manchester United try another route now and they pick a manager and and you just wonder will it be successful or not will they give him what he needs to be successful um, or is it just another band-aid you know when serious surgery is required the the history would suggest it's a band-aid but there's a slight difference in that at least they're putting forward the fact that the decision was made by football people at the club as opposed to the previous chief executive who just seemed to go out and get whoever was the most famous available manager at, at that stage like it never made any sense to hire Mourinho it really never made any sense to hire Luis van Gaal either like it just seemed they were completely random this one at least is somebody who has a body of work, a style of play, a type of player, an identity. He's not Jurgen Klopp. He hasn't had the same success as Klopp, but he at least has a profile that's not dissimilar to Klopp, whereas you know, other managers I think that they were looking at didn't have that. Is that in any way giving you some confidence that it might be a good decision? Uh, the only way it would give me confidence is if they gave him carte blanche with his staff because otherwise he's going to be undermined at every every, turn, every corner. That, that identity you talk about that he developed at, at, at Ajax is Ajax's identity, but the whole club is geared towards giving him what he needs. If he comes into Manchester United and they hand him you know, a, a, an ex-player as a number two and every time he tries to make a decision, the ex-player is saying, oh, well, the Manchester United way is this, um, then he's going to be undermined at, at every turn. I think, you know, it's time for Manchester United to write a new chapter. Um, you know, after Busby, after Ferguson, you know, they all got to write their own chapters. The club will always be the club and the tradition will always be the tradition. But it's time to cut loose and let this guy build what he wants to build. And that means giving him Edwin van der Sar as, as director of football, letting him bring his whole scouting network, um, letting him bring anybody he wants, the full staff there, and just clean out all the stuff there and basically just move on Manchester United really. Just, just, just constantly just hankering back to, 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 to the way that things were. Um, and it's time for somebody else now to build their 
project, their 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 tradition. Um, because Manchester United have just been, you know, looking back, trying to recreate. That's gone, in my opinion. You know, Alex Ferguson done what he done. It's time to move on now. And 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 as I said earlier, the tradition will always be tradition. That's going nowhere. But it's time to let a new guy build now. The football kickoff with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sport. Our next fixture is Watford against Leeds, 3 o'clock on Premier Sport on Saturday afternoon and Villa Spurs, half past five on Sky Sports. They're the two Saturday afternoon fixtures. Uh, Watford, Leeds, is there anything Watford can do to get out? Are they capable of going on a run? <laughs> yeah, I think I think they're capable. I think Roy Hodgson will be um, capable of dragging them, kicking and screaming. I think the gap is probably just too big. Um, and, and with every passing game, obviously it becomes less and less likely, but, but tomorrow's huge for them. Um, if they can get a win somehow, and again, Roy, talking about Lampard, Roy Hutchinson doesn't care about aesthetics. He will just try and get it over the line any which way he can. Um, um, but it starts tomorrow for them. They have to get a win tomorrow, um, and then that'll hopefully put them in good stead, but it's looking less and less likely. Did either of you see Roy Hodgson's true ball in training? I didn't. I, I heard everybody talking yeah, about it. Did you see it, Damien? No, I didn't see oh, it. Oh, it was incredible. A defence-spinning pass at the age of 70-odd. It leads me to the question, who was the best manager to take part in training in your time? Um, the best manager... I've heard Glenn Hoddle was great, training. for example. Yeah. Um, Wayne Rooney, not so good at Derby if you're, uh, if you're a young knight. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, there, wasn't, there wasn't many. I remember, I remember when it was the Ipswich, Roy joined in the first few weeks um, just in the small-sided stuff, like, and it was incredible to be honest with you. <laughs> just to watch him, I think he fell in a couple of five sides as well. He, I think he had a bad leg or hip or knee or something. He couldn't move, but his passing was incredible. <laughs> like it was. I remember he passed the ball with a different type of swaz on or the fizz. You know, he just absolutely wrapped it in. Like he had to control it. He used to join in, in the rondos um, and stuff like that. But I, I, I did remember that his his passing left and right foot was still pretty exceptional. You were? Did you play midfield under Roy at all, or were you a midfielder earlier in your career? I was a midfielder when I was a young fella. Yeah, um, when I was at Hull, um, I, I spent a, a bit of time there. Leicester as well, really. Um, I think it was just they looked at me. I was big and I was pretty fit, and I could get up and down the pitch. So, and I liked to tackle people. So they just said, "Go and play midfield and run around and tackle people." Did you like it? I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, I, I did have. I, I was um, pretty fit, um, and I could get around the pitch for ninety minutes. But I just loved it. I didn't like you know, the ball so much. But I just love running, running, you know, running into people and winning it back and, and getting from box to box. Um, but uh, obviously, when you kind of get up a certain level, you need some technical midfield players and stuff like that, you know. Um, so, uh, but I used, to, I used to like Patrick Vieira. So I used to model myself on him. <laughs> That's not bad, uh, you know. If, uh, uh, if you're going to model yourself on somebody, it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Villa Spurs at half past five. What kind of a job is Steven Gerrard doing, Damien? Do you think? He's doing a good job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, a little bit hit and miss, but um, again, he's gone in there and he's been relatively pragmatic. They've had some good results, but there's been no danger of Villa slipping into a relegation battle, which is a testament to Steven the way he set his team up defensively, really, really solid. Um, but I think Villa are only going to get better and better. There's, there's clearly money at the football club. Um, there's, there's clearly a willingness to spend money. Um, and Stephen will be allowed to, you know, get out the players that he wants to get out um, and get in the players that he wants to get in. Um, and, and it could be a slow building job. Um, you know, every transfer, passing transfer window, Villa get incrementally better. Um, so, look, I think he's doing a great job there. 
Conte is also doing a good job from the point where we thought Conte was going to walk out in tears uh, after one of the defeats where he was Burnley, like yeah, Burnley I'm not good enough turf I more. can't do this I just, I just uh, five, five defeats no not yet and then they go and beat City in the next game and all of a sudden they're on this run where they're maybe the favourites to finish in the top four like what is it that Conte has does anybody uh, pure, pure emotion like absolute emotion and the, and the players feed off that I mean the guy just wears his heart on his sleeve I absolutely love him and I cannot believe Manchester United didn't go for him um, when when when, the, when they had the chance, I mean, he would have absolutely dragged that football club, crick, kicking and screaming. He would have ironed out all the problems that you're you're currently having at United, the player issues, the player power issues, um, because he's gone into Spurs and he's really got them going. And again, over the long term, he will his recruitment will be right. I would be pretty sure that he has a huge input into who they sign, who they who they let go. Um, he, he doesn't accept when he gets dictated to by the board. You know, you got to sign this player or we're selling this player. I'd say he just threatens to resign every time because he's that type of character and I'd say there's ultimatums once a week with him if he doesn't get his way and, and I think the players feed off that because his passion is brilliant it really really is the transformative power of, of Jurgen Klopp when you, you go back to the bit where they're selling Raheem Sterling to Manchester City and at the moment we you know last summer we were in a scenario where it looked like uh, Spurs might have been in a situation where they were selling their best player to Manchester City. Is it possible that if he gets them into the Champions League and with his track record of winning leagues almost everywhere he's been, that he could be the transformative figure for Spurs the way that Klopp was for yeah. Liverpool? They have an amazing stadium. They're going to be in the Champions League. They're going to start selling that out. There's extra match yeah. day revenue. It's a great place to go. He suddenly is drawing players there. Like, why wouldn't you want to play for them? Yeah, I mean, he, he could be the guy that could, you know, finally kind of break Daniel Levy because he's had such a stranglehold on that football club and in terms of how it's run and Pochettino got dictated to and maybe didn't get the players that he wanted or didn't renew the players that he wanted. But I think Poch- um, sorry, uh, Conte is the type of personality that could really push Spurs because he'll do it his end. He'll get the most out of the players. He'll sign the right players. And when the club starts seeing the progression, um, but personality is what, you know, turned Liverpool around. Jurgen Klopp went in there and just grabbed that football club by the scruff of the neck and dragged it where it needed to be. Um, and and Conte is the same type of guy. They're huge, huge personalities, capable of ruling over a football club. And you know, whatever you say about Manchester United, I know Neville I think said at one point that you know he's not a Manchester United manager; he's a short-term kind of guy. But I tell you what, he would have grabbed that football club by the scruff of the neck and dragged it where it needed to be. And if he left in a year and a half, I guarantee it would have been a better place than what it was eighteen months previous. And everybody's short-term until they find the thing that they really like or that they really want. Like he he left yeah. Inter because they started selling their best players. Uh, you know that yeah. he left Chelsea because everybody leaves Chelsea. That you can't automatically assume that he's going to then leave Manchester United because. If, if things were going well there would be no reason to and no one's going to win a fight with him at Manchester United so I think you're dead right about that one quick prediction on this I think Spurs are going to win 3-1 by the way but do you 2-0 uh, to uh, Spurs Villa haven't beaten Spurs Villa Park since January 2008 if I was going to say I didn't know that off the top of my head but in the last 10 years Spurs beat Villa that's my that's the thing it's just this yeah. one gloop so it's even longer 14 years ok Sunday Norwich versus Burnley this is Burnley's chance just to make sure that they carry the confidence and the victory if they yeah. if like this is the best chance they could really kick on here and go on a run and, and save the season and save the club and I mean Sean Dyche manager of the year territory if that happens yeah, look, it's brilliant. I mean, this is the type of situation he relishes in. Um, he's he's so used to being in the trenches, kicking and screaming for everything and, and, and fighting for everything. And he relishes these situations. And that's what players want to see, a manager that's in control, up for the fight. Um, great result from during the week. And, and, and I fully expect them to go on absolute steamroll Norwich um, uh, on the weekend and, and get themselves um, almost out of it. 
Are Burnley going down, Damien? No, I don't think Burnley would go down. I think, as I said, when, when it comes to the crunch and you have to win games, the way Burnley set up, they'll just frustrate teams, um, be difficult, and then just nick something from a set piece. Um, great to see Nathan Collins scoring, scoring the other night from our point of view. Um, Sean Dyche just comes in every morning with a smile on his face when he's in these situations, and the players can tell that he loves it. He's a type of guy, he's happy as a pig in anything in these situations, and, and players feed off that. So if they're not going down, Everton are? I, 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 yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that I didn't want to say that, yeah, but I, I think by virtue of a roundabout way, I think Everton are in trouble. I can't see them keeping a clean sheet for love and the money. Um, they got a lot of players there that haven't been in these types of situations before. It takes a certain mentality, a certain um, will, I suppose, to get out of it. Um, and it's not the place to be learning how to get that. Um, but I think Everton are in trouble, yeah. Leeds are the only other team really in contention because Burnley have two games in hand over them and if they win those two they're level on points but yeah. I think the current bottom three is the final bottom three well, I think Everton could get sucked in pretty easily they're in free fall at the moment unless they actually do sack yeah. the manager and, and something uh, interrupts that to, to replace that um, uh, Pat Dolan called uh, Nathan Collins uh, the Irish Virgil van Dijk it's high praise oh. it's very high praise it's like setting the bar quite high there Damien yeah, um, I wouldn't quite go that far, to be honest with you. But um, look, he's, he's a talented boy. There's no doubt about that. Um, I've, I've seen quite a bit of him. Um, he's on a great trajectory. He's progressing. He's improving. He's, um, you know, obviously a leader with, from his time at Stoke. Um, he'll only get better under Sean Dyche. I mean, Sean Dyche can make a defender uh, better with the way they set up, the way he requires his players to play. And I do think the sky's the limit for him. Um, whether or not he goes on to, to fulfil that, that, that prophecy, I'm, I'm not sure. But he's definitely going to have a great career over the next 10, 15 years. All right. That uh, game kicks off at two o'clock on Sunday. And of course, the big game kicks off at half past four. Manchester City versus Liverpool on Sky Sports. Live commentary on OTB Sunday with Stephen Doyle and Brian Kerr. The football kick off with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sport. In the Rondos, when Keane was there and immobile because of his butchered hip, did anybody ever tackle him? Was there? Were you allowed to like go in studs? Were you, did he kind of secretly want you to go in with the studs up, or would he have been absolutely bitter if you had? Um, I don't think anyone was willing to find that find out that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he used to just join in. Um, uh, yeah, he went full blooded. In fairness, as much as he possibly could, but. You know, I remember if he fired a ball at you, and I mean, he absolutely rifled it in, and you miscontrolled it. He just get the stare, um, and then you kind of go, "Okay, I'll go in the middle." Then <laughs> I think it was a great ball from you, but I'll go in. <laughs> I think some of his teammates uh, in the early days in the Republic of Ireland would report the same thing would happen in the middle of games that they would be getting the stare off him in the middle of games for uh, miscontrolling a pass. Damien, good stuff. Thanks a million for joining no us. Cheers. Thanks, Enjoy the weekend's football. That is this weekend's version of the football kickoff with Sky. All the football you love in one place. We'll be back next Friday around about half past ten. Until then, take care. The football kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports.